The scripture reading for today is taken in connection with the fourth commandment, as we'll be looking at it through the lens of the Heidelberg Catechism. And so we'll be reading together, first of all, from Deuteronomy 5, the verses 12 to 15, and then Isaiah 58, the verses 13 and 14. Deuteronomy 5, the verses 12 to 15, is found on page 208 of your pew Bible. This morning we read from Exodus 20, which framed the observance of the Saturday in Uh, within the context of God's creation, that in six days He created the world and all that is in it. Deuteronomy 5 has a different focus in mind as Moses is preaching to the people. Deuteronomy 5, verses 12 to 15. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, And the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. We'll then move ahead to Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah is the first of the major prophets. You'll be able to find him after the wisdom literature, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and then Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 58, which you'll be able to find on page 853. Starting at verse 13. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and you call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken the word of God. Let's now read together also from the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 38, and you'll be able to find that on page 554. What does God require in the fourth commandment? First, that the ministry of the gospel and the schools be maintained, and that especially on the day of rest, I diligently attend the church of God to hear God's word, to use the sacraments, to call publicly upon the Lord, and to give Christian offerings for the poor. Second, that all the days of my life I rest from my evil works. Let the Lord work in me through his Holy Spirit, and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Today we'll be focusing in particular in light of the Bible texts on the second half of this Lord's Day. 
beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Free. How much does that word mean to you today? Free. Even in today's world, it's a word which many people yearn for. Sadly, slavery is still alive and well in our, much of our modern world. It's been made illegal just about everywhere, but according to a study done by the Walk Free Foundation in 2016, there are still an estimated 70 million, 70 million slaves in the world today. When you think of freedom, do you think that your thoughts on freedom would be the same as theirs? What does it mean to us today to live in freedom? We don't truly understand the desire for freedom in the same sense that somebody who is caught up in slavery in that way would. But we do understand that root desire for freedom. And we've tasted it in different ways. Maybe the closest you've come is being freed from a cast and crutches, being able to throw them away and start walking again of your own accord after you're healed up. Maybe you've been freed from the constant need of glasses by eye surgery. Maybe you've been freed from a serious illness, from the clutches of depression, anxiety, or more. For the first little while, it feels like a dream. Every moment of the day in which you're enjoying this newfound freedom is a treasure to you because you are liberated. You can almost taste the freedom that you have. It's heady, it's intoxicating. It makes you want to live life to your fullest, making use of this new freedom that you have. But what happens after time has passed? Do you keep that memory, that motivation, that drive? Some people do, but others of us also begin to take it for granted. Does life start to lose its preciousness and its wonder again? Today we'll be focusing on Israel, where they found themselves after God had set them free. Living in the land of Egypt year after year, they had settled into a routine, but God had set them free. God had set them free not just from something, but he had set them free for something. And in order to remind them of this, he had given them a day in which they could think back on it, in which they could reflect back on it. But the second part is what Israel forgot time and time again as they settled into regular life. It's what we forget ourselves today, time and time again as well, that we have not just been set free from something, but we've set, been set free for something. And we'll see this under the following theme and points, free to worship. And we'll see, first of all, the nature of this freedom, and secondly, the purpose of this freedom. 
Now when Moses recited this part of the law to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 5, Israel was just about to come into the land again. They had been in Egypt for 400 years, over 400 years, spending much of that time as slaves under the Egyptians. Having been forced to work day in and day out, this was all they knew. But now they had had 40 years in the desert to wander, and they had had 40 years in the desert to experience one day out of seven in which they did not have to spend dawn till dusk working for somebody else. Dawn till dusk working for their slavers. Having spent that 40 years in the desert and now being on the edge of going into the promised land, God did not want them to forget the reason behind their being given this seventh day. He didn't want them to forget what they had been set free from, the fact that they had not been able to take this day of rest as a day of rest for so many centuries before that. And he reminds them now in verse 15 of our reading from Deuteronomy 5. He says, Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord, your God, brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord, your God, commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Pause there for a moment. God was taking them out of their old life and giving them a new and better one. He was teaching them a new and a better way to live. God had set them free from the drudgery of working seven days, day in and day out. And that's what he reminds them of. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. But God not only reminds them of what he set them free from, he's not only set them free from slavery, but he set them free for something better. He set them free for worship. How often do we remember that? We do remember the first half, that God has set us free from something But this second half quite often slips from our fingers that he set us free for something. The problem is when we lose sight of that, when we let that slip away, it begins to influence how we look at that day of rest which God has given us. It begins to influence how we look at worship. It begins to influence how we look at our interactions with God from day to day. Take a look at what happened to Israel when they forgot this second half. Moving ahead to the time of Isaiah, we can see how it led them into a whole new kind of bondage, into a freedom that wasn't really free at all. You see, Israel was a religious island surrounded by pagan nations. And being in this atmosphere, they were surrounded by those who, frankly, didn't have a Sabbath day. They may have had holidays, feast days, days that they took off for family time and for celebrations, like we find with much of society in North America today. 
but they had no devoted Sabbath. And so when they took time off, it was simply for their own rest, their own benefit, and fulfilling, for fulfilling their own wants and desires on that day. And so the Lord speaks to them. He says, if you turn your foot away, away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and you call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. The language that we see there, turning away your foot from the Sabbath, was language of holy ground. When the angel appeared before the Israelite war leader Joshua, he told him to take off his sandals because he was on holy ground. Similar to Moses, when he was before the burning bush, he was told to take off his sandals because he was on holy ground. The Lord was essentially saying, when you are stepping into the Lord's day, you are stepping into what is holy. Turn your foot away. Look at it differently. It's a holy day. It's like holy ground. And so you approach it differently than you would approach the rest of life. You need to look at it with different eyes than you just would with a simple day of rest. Now, why is this such a big deal? Well, for the people of Israel in the time of Isaiah, it became a time for doing their own pleasure. They began to follow in the ways of the nations around them. And once their pleasure shifted off of the Lord and on to themselves on this day, suddenly the way that they looked at the day changed as well. Because if it becomes about you having a break instead of you worshiping God, how would you look at the time that you do spend gathering together for worship? For the Israelites, going to the synagogues, going to the temple became a chore. The time that they spent on worship became something difficult, a hurdle to get over. It's something to pass by as fast as you can so that you can just get to the part where it's about me, my friends, my family time, my spare time. Do you hear echoes of your own thoughts here, beloved? The difficulty with this kind of a perspective on the Lord's Day is that it doesn't just stay with the Lord's day. It's a perspective, it's a view that begins to infect all of our worship. Then suddenly it's not just the Sunday worship services that become a chore, but devotions around the table as well. When dad opens the Bible and dad starts to read, that's the time when you start to daydream, start to think about different things. Personal devotions, reading and prayer in the morning, 
spending quiet time with God, devotions with your spouse maybe in the evening, they all become burdensome. And suddenly, suddenly you're bound. You come to the Lord's Day and you are bound. Suddenly Sunday is not freeing anymore. Worship is not liberating anymore. Even looking to God through the week isn't a delight anymore. It becomes a burden. And this happens because you and I have taken our eyes off of God and instead placed them on ourselves. This is essentially saying we don't need God anymore. God isn't enough to satisfy us anymore. And that's idolatry. We don't remember anymore that God has set us free. We don't remember the weight of slavery. And we become like the Israelites in the desert looking back on the burdens of slavery and sons being taken away and murdered and day in and day out labor. And we're only able to remember that there was food in Egypt while out here we're going hungry. So we have two ways in which the Sabbath day can show us that we're bound. The first is that in which we are bound to sin, bound in sin, and we're not able and not wanting to look to Jesus Christ. We've lived bound by our sin for so long, we don't know a life that's any different. The Sabbath day is just another day for work, chores, or homework, and our eyes have never been lifted beyond that. The second is that in which we have enjoyed the freedom that the Sabbath points to, but we've begun to take the Lord for granted and we've started to look lightly at it. Without meaning to, by our actions, we begin to teach our children that there are more meaningful things in this world to us than freedom in Christ, that there are things which are more desirable than just coming to God in worship. And my personal pleasure is at the top of that list. But God teaches us a new way, a way in which we will receive freedom. He teaches us this by reminding us that freedom is not just from something but for something. In that my stopping my evil works becomes not a burden. My following the law of God does not become a chore, but as the Lord's Day describes it, it becomes a resting from my evil works. Within the law of God, we find a place in which we can breathe, not being suffocated by the weight of sin, not dragged down by the priorities that this world holds so dear. Within the presence of God, we find the righteousness of Christ purifying us, cutting off the weight of that sin, and leading us to walk in the Spirit, having our eyes redirected to heaven. And we'll delight in it. We delight in Him. Because through Christ, you and I will be able to find real joy and real peace spending time with God Worship becomes meaningful instead of just a speed bump in a day that's focused on me. 
and our treasures will be stored up in heaven. This brings us to our second point, the purpose of this freedom. So what can I do, you might ask? Give me steps to follow. Maybe if you give me a schedule for the day with hours sectioned off for for prayer and then a list of things that I can or can't do, that would be helpful. Can I go to the beach? Can I go bicycling? Do I need to spend more hours in the Word than I do? It's not as simple as that. If you are simply adding a list for yourself, in order to be more right with God on this day, if you're just trying to fix behavior as a solution to the way that you look at this day, you run into the same problem that the Israelites have. We see earlier in these verses of Isaiah 58, in Isaiah 58, he says, Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? The answer, verse 3, in the day of your fast you find pleasure and exploit your labors. Your fasting becomes a reason for strife and for debate. The Israelites were concerned about building up bonus points in the eyes of God. They are concerned about doing it so that they could be right with God by what they did, so that their behavior was lined up properly. Their fast became a reason for them not to focus their thoughts on God, but in a roundabout way, eventually to get something from God. Their religious-looking behavior was shown to be self-centered by the rest of their lives. Their focus on themselves they're enriching themselves at the expense of their laborers and their willingness to get, that, to get wrapped up in strife and in debate. But God has never been interested in just behavior modification. He wants the hearts of His people. It's for freedom that you've been set free. Not just freedom from something, but freedom for something. And this is what the prophet Isaiah talks about too. It's not just a shift in actions. It's not just doing the right things on the Lord's day, but it's a shift in perspective. Writing long lists of what we can or can't do without taking the time to reflect on why we do them or keep from doing them, will miss the purpose of the freedom that we've received. But, if through the things that we do, or the things that we keep from doing, our focus is on worship, and our relationship with the Lord, if our delight is in the Lord on this day, and the things that we do during this day are focused around that, to remind ourselves of that and to grow in that, then we will truly understand what the day of the Lord is all about. And that's what Deuteronomy 5 reminds us of. The Lord's day is about remembering our slavery, yes, and it's about being reminded of our misery apart from Christ. It's about recalling the freedom that He brought us into, from darkness into light. It's about 
more than that, though. It's about what we've been saved for, looking ahead to the promised land, living a life of worship, living a life rejoicing and delighting in the Lord. Each day of rest, time and time again with this focus, becomes a little reflection of what we have to look forward to. Each day of rest allows us to realign our focus, taking in the big picture. Every other day we are reminded of ourselves, of our personal situations, and of our personal needs. Every other day we're able to work to feed ourselves and our families to enjoy the beauty of creation, to savor the gifts that God has given us on this earth. But this day is special. It reminds us of the meaning of our existence. We're put here on earth for a purpose. And we'll only really be free if we understand that purpose. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. The way that this truth becomes clear to you on Sunday, the way that you reflect on this truth changes from family to family. But there is one constant. God is always at the center. God is always the focus of this special day in a special way. Now, if it was up to us, we would so quickly lose sight of that. You and I were such forgetful people. We so easily and so quickly forget what we're saved from. And we so easily and so quickly forget what we're saved for. But the Sabbath day, the Lord's day, is given to us as a gift A gift that we're called to take hold of with both hands. And on it we're reminded time and time again of the joys of heaven that lie before us. Of the reason for worship that we have. And of the opportunities for worship that we take take hold of with both hands. It's not a me day. It's not a personal day. It's God's day. And that's so much better. We are living in the Sabbath day intentionally then. We look at it with different eyes than just another day off, a day in which we can do our own pleasure. We look at it with delight. We are able to call the Lord's Sabbath day a delight. It's His gift to us for that purpose. This is the shift in perspective to which God is calling His people. To see it as a constant remembrance of what you have been saved from and what you have been saved for, resulting in a life in which everything can be stripped away, but you have this one constant 
you are able to delight in knowing that you belong to your Father in heaven. Yahweh, your covenant God through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. And that there will be a day when you will be able to delight in his very presence. But God doesn't just demand a change of heart from us. He doesn't just tell us. It's also a gift that he provides for us. Is the day of the Lord not a delight to you? Lean on him and pray to him. Pray for him to work in you through the Holy Spirit to change your perspective, your view of the Sabbath day. That each time that you meet together again with the people of God for worship to him, that each time that you have this day that's set aside in which you can spend time focused on him alone, that this can be a delight to you. You can delight in the company of the body of Christ, the other members of the church, as imperfect as they might be. And you can delight in this day of worship, that you can delight in your God. And know this, if you really do ask God for this in faith, if every time you see yourself seeing the Sabbath day as a drudgery, you look to God in faith and you pray that he would change your heart, God will answer. And as you have your perspective changed for worship by the power of his spirit, it becomes a fountain that overflows to every corner of your life as you delight in your God. Your public worship, yes, but also your private worship, your family worship, your day-to-day tasks, and so much more. You'll see this grace freely offered spill over to all of life so that you can begin to taste the goodness of the Lord already in this life. And as the Catechism says, to so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Amen.